Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, perhaps you'd like to turn to Mark's Gospel and Chapter 1. Mark's Gospel and Chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 40 to 45. That's Mark's Gospel, Chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. Mark writes in his gospel and says, And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before Jesus and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a testimony to them. But he went out and about and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news about to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas. And they were coming to him from everywhere. I was looking at this passage the other day and what struck me was this uh, verse 41 when it says that Jesus was moved with compassion, moved with compassion. So this is more than just a a passive word, this is more than just a, a passive passage. There is a sense where Jesus has this gut wrenching experience to actually get involved and do something about this man's situation. So I want us to to think about what compassion is and to ask ourselves, uh, what what is compassion? Uh, If you go online, you can find a graph, and I I have a copy here if anybody's interested, and uh, it's the top countries in the world that show compassion and giving. Now you're probably wondering, I wonder what country comes top in the world for being a compassionate country. It's Indonesia. Followed by Australia, New Zealand, United States, Ireland. There we go. So Ireland is just below the United States. So happy medium there, I guess. And uh, I wonder where Britain comes in this. Well, Britain actually comes just below Ireland, interestingly enough. So we're number six on the scale. And then the rest of the Europe seems to be a long way behind that. You've got Singapore just below us. But compassion on this graph depends on where people want to give and what the motives are. So when we try and measure compassion, there's always a motive behind it and there are always clauses behind it. And when you look at the compassionate countries in the world, even those who get top, there are certain things uh, that they're not so good at, like donating time. And so our compassion is very thin. It's almost like a veneer compared with what the compassion of God is like. Now, in the United Kingdom, we actually live in a pretty compassionate country, but our compassion very often runs out, doesn't it? Like when you're at a queue and somebody's got like two tomatoes and a pint of milk and you've got a massive trolley and you you let them in, you say, oh, you first, you've only got a few things. And so you've shown a, a very simple act of compassion. But just supposing 10 other people got behind and said, oh, I've only got one bar of chocolate, I've only got 
packet of toilet roll. I found some toilet roll. And I've just got this one packet of toilet roll. And eventually your compassion would wear very thin. You would say, hang on a minute, this is, this is going to go so far and no further. I've still got mine and I still have what I need to do. So our compassion is actually very, very thin. Now what about if somebody had just those tomatoes and maybe a loaf of bread and you got this massive shopping trolley and supposing this person was somebody you didn't like would you let them in? Well we might with gritted teeth but will we do it again the next week or the following week? You see even, even as believers sometimes to our shame our compassion runs a little bit thin. What about Jesus? What is his compassion like? And so Jesus has this leper, this man who comes to him. And le- leprosy is really, really awful. Many, many years ago, um, SGA was involved with a, with a leper colony in a little place called Ticilesti, uh, right over in the far east of uh, Romania. It still kind of exists today, but uh, the- these days with modern medicines, uh, you can stem the flow and control le- with leprosy a lot, lot easier. There was a little church that was in the leper colony. It was interesting that during communist times, uh, nobody tried to shut this church down. They didn't want to go into the leper colony. And uh, people describe it as a little bit of heaven on earth because people kept beautiful gardens. They could hear people singing in the church. And the church was a very, very blessed place. But looking at these disfigured faces with people who have leprosy, it is a terrible disease to have. Really, really awful. There's just a few more pictures there. Um, I spent some time working in India many, many years ago before I joined SGA. And I can remember the distinctive features and signs and sights and smells of Aleppo. I remember being in a a village and my translator said to me, get in the car and lock the door. And I had no idea why. And then I could hear this person shouting in a very raspy voice in Hindi, unclean, unclean. And this disfigured figure came where the skin was literally dropping off them. To the point when you looked at this person, you thought, it looks like a body that has just walked out the coffin. Halfway through its decaying process. Now, I know that sounds really awful, but I want you to think that as this man approaches Jesus, compassion from the world has long run out on this man. And as he approaches Jesus, he is literally looking like a, somebody who should be in the grave with plenty of soil on top of him. He has lost everything. It's a very slow death. Leprosy destroys families. It destroys lives. It takes away dignity. It takes purpose and future away. It's a slow death. There's a distinctive smell. There's a sight. There's a sound. It is a most awful thing. In Bible times, in Leviticus 13 and 14, there were strict instructions on how lepers were to be uh, dealt with, how they were to be cared for, and if somebody thought that they were cured from leprosy, then they had to go to the priest, offer an offering, and he would certify whether they were clean or not. But right through the Bible, there is this, this, this coming together of leprosy is just like being a sinful person. Now, it didn't mean to say that the leper was sinful, but leprosy is like sin, how it eats away, it destroys, and how one little bit spreads until it becomes uncontrollable. And here is this man within that little context that I've tried to paint quite poorly, really. And it says, a leper came to him, beseeching him. Now, first of all, the leper had no right to come to anybody. He was to make sure that people got out of the way. Part of the law says he must shout out, unclean, unclean, so nobody came near him. Compassion in the world had run out 
for this man. Now I just want to bring a few other passages of scripture in and weave them into the compassion of Christ and the compassion of God this morning. So bear with me while I just bring a few of the passages in and then you begin to see what the big picture is. In Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, giving them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, planted of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now the part in that that, that, that struck me really was verse 3. It says to, to help those who mourn and to give them beauty for ashes. In other words, that the ministry of the Messiah when he comes will be uh, portrayed as this one who takes the worthless remains of people's lives and makes them into something beautiful. And the word in the Hebrew for, for beauty here is like a diamond or a crown or something very, very priceless that you can't put a, a monetary finger on. I remember when I was a, a child, well, more of a teenager, really, it, it was my job to keep the fire going at home. And in those days, we, we didn't have central heating. It was logs, and we would have the logs de- delivered. And it was my job to, to get the axe, which I really loved, because I didn't like my brother or my sisters, and, but I wasn't allowed to use the axe on them. So I had this massive axe, and I'll be chopping the wood into various shapes and sizes to keep the fire going. So that was my job when I was a teenager. And um, my mother was keeping a watchful eye on me. No health and safety in those days. And I loved it. And we would get the fire going. And then especially on a Saturday night when you know, we were all sat around the fire. We'd take our shoes and socks off. And it was warmth and bright and happy. And the dog would come in and lay down like this. And you know, get away, stinky dog. And it was just a happy time. Happy memories. I remember those. Especially cold winter nights. But in the morning, the fire had gone out. And all that was left were ashes, the worthless remains of happy times, happy memories. When times were better and there were warmth and laughter and joy and brightness everywhere. And in the morning there was just ashes. Couldn't do anything with ashes. It was always my job to clean out the ashes and I hated that. But my mother, she got this new hoover in the late 1970s and on one end it sucked And if you took the attachment off and put it on the other end, it blew. So when nobody was looking, I thought, I'm going to blow the ashes up the chimney. So that's what I did. But I missed with the nozzle because it was really powerful. And all the ashes just went everywhere in the room. It was like an exploded crematoria. And my mother came in and there were ashes all over her wedding photograph and all over the cat and the dog. It was just everywhere. And she just went like this and said, wait till your father gets home. And that's all she had to say. Ashes, the worthless remains that just, you know, when I tried to blow them up the chimney, it was on my face and on my arms. I couldn't get rid of it. It was just all over me. And here is this man who comes to Jesus. He, all he has is the worthless remains of a life. And he's probably got memories of when things were bright and warm and happy. And he got a family and a home and children. And all he's got left are the worthless remains And people look at him and think think to themselves, he's got nothing left of his life and I don't want to go anywhere near him. 
The next piece of scripture I want to bring in, and it will begin to make sense now, is found in Luke 4, verses 18 to 19. Because Luke tells us that Jesus goes into the synagogue, and he was handed from the book of uh, a, a, a scroll from the prophet Isaiah. And when he opens it, he finds the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news. He has sent me to heal up the brokenhearted. Well, we've just read that in Isaiah, haven't we? And here's Jesus, he picks this up, and in verse 20, he says, in verse 21, he says to them, as he finishes reading the passage from Isaiah, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, that passage in Isaiah, when it starts talking about he will take the ashes away and give you something beautiful in return, this sense of a divine exchange where God takes the worthless remains of our lives and makes them into something beautiful, Jesus says that passage is talking about me isn't it good to be a believer I better say that again isn't it good to be a believer I'm, I'm as deaf as a carrot although Iris my wife says I can hear what I want to hear but we won't, won't talk about that because we live in the age of Jesus and he says that passage in Isaiah 61 is about him He takes the worthless remains of our lives and makes them into something beautiful. Hello? As this leper comes to Jesus, what has he got to offer Jesus? Nothing. Just a body and a heart and a mind that is fit to be in the grave and covered up. He has nothing to offer Jesus. He can't barter with Jesus. He cannot create an exchange mechanism with Jesus. He has nothing but to say, will you make me clean? And guess what? The Bible tells me this, that while we were still sinners, we have nothing. Let me say that again, because I'm a slow learner. I have nothing to offer God. But he was compassionate to me. And even before I knew him, he had already died for my sin. Hello? Isn't it good to be a believer? There are some terrible things going on in this world. But isn't it good to know Jesus? To know that Jesus took death onto himself. He took the decay of the grave onto himself. But rose again and came back victorious. Hello? That's exciting, isn't it? Well, let's get back to this passage. So Jesus says, Isaiah 61 chaps. Well, he didn't say chaps because he wasn't English. He said, okay, guys, this is speaking about me. Let's come back to Mark 1, verses 41. The leper, his fire has gone out. He's only got ashes. He's only got memories of a better time. Let's try and get a description for the word compassion now. Psalm 103, here's another passage. says this, he pardons all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with loving kindness and Compassion. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who love him. Zechariah 1 verse 16 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, I am returning to Jerusalem with compassion. I love this word in the Hebrew language for compassion. It's raham. And it literally means a womb. Now, you, you might be scratching your head and thinking, how do you get womb from compassion? Well, let's think about this. How on earth 
do you begin to try and describe the compassion of God who created a beautiful world for us to live in and our world is placed just in the right place in the universe everything that God created was perfect he was a compassionate God before we even existed and as the Jewish people in days of old tried to bring a word together to describe the compassion of God they came to the conclusion that compassion of God is like a womb let me describe what a womb is like a womb is a place of mercy it's a place of affection it's a place of protection it's a place of comfort it's a place of development it's a place of safety potential possibilities it's a place of covering it's a place that brings a whole future life to birth I think they got that word right because surely that describes the compassion of God it is a place of mercy affection protection comfort development and everything that we see in Psalm 103 about the compassion of God we suddenly see Jesus as he reaches down and touches this leper now in the New Testament language the word compassion is a little bit different It means a gut-wrenching anger towards something disastrous, to be moved with, to suffer with, to deal with and get involved. In other words, when Jesus saw this leper, his compassion, he felt anger, not at the man, but at the problem he was in. And that anger moved him to do something about it. The same compassion that drew him to the cross. Because God's wrath was put onto Jesus instead of us. And Jesus looks at this leper and he has such righteous anger about this man who's created in the image of God and makes his mind up that he's going to get involved to take his ashes and make his life into something beautiful. The divine exchange, the mystery of the divine exchange, turning ashes into something beautiful. Jesus has compassion. He's gripped, he's disturbed, he's moved towards one man who comes to him. The compassion of Christ in in Mark chapter 1. Compassion is a touch, not a sentiment. Jesus could quite easily say to this man, get away you filthy leper, have you never read God's word? How it declares that you're not allowed to come near me. Jesus could have just spoken a word and the man could have been healed. But compassion for this man meant that Jesus actually touched the ashes. He took the man's ashes upon himself. Compassion is a touch. Secondly, compassion is an act of the will. Jesus said, I am willing. Be cleansed. Verse 41. Because leprosy is classed as an unclean disease. Compassion takes the problem and expects nothing in return. The leper has nothing. He just came. Jesus took him as he was. Unconditional. Jesus gave himself. Yet Jesus does not become unclean. But takes the problem to himself. You know when I see this story in Mark's gospel. How Jesus made this man from leprosy into something clean. Surely there is nothing that we cannot bring to God this morning where he is not willing to show compassion to us. Compassion deals with the problem. Be cleansed, be whole, be complete. 
be free. Compassion always points to God. Jesus gives some interesting instructions here. He says, don't go around telling everybody. Go, go show yourself to the priest. Strange. Why does Jesus do that? Well, I think because God's word in Leviticus says, that, you know, when you think you're cleansed, you need to go to the priest, offer an offering, and uh, make sure that you're all completely checked out. There is this sense of checking out and showing that God has done a genuine work, but Jesus is actually pointing this man to God. God has touched you. God has redeemed you. Now go and worship him. Because what we fail to recognize sometimes is that somebody who has leprosy is not allowed near the synagogue. They're not allowed into the temple. They are banned from the community of God's people, but they're also banned from the courts of God's sanctuary. And now for the first time for many, many years probably, this man who is an unclean leper now has direct access to God through Jesus Christ. Offering nothing in return because he has nothing. And that is why Jesus says, before you tell your friends and your family, everybody else, go and have fellowship with God. You know, sometimes when God does something significant for us, first thing we want to do is tell our neighbours, tell our friends, tell our family, but actually we need to go and have fellowship with God. When God has cleaned up our lives, the first thing we need to do is get on our knees and say thank you. Compassion has exchanged your ashes for a diadem, a crown, a precious stone. This is why the compassion of God is like a womb. It's a place of mercy, affection, protection, comfort, development, safety, potential possibilities, covering, and brings a whole future life to birth. And when I look at New Testament compassion and Old Testament compassion, I think, yes, the, the Hebrew people got this word compassion right. How do we describe the compassion of Almighty God? But you see, dear friends, this is just the beginning for the leper. This is just the taste of things that will come one day. And for you and I, we worship God here as part of God's community. We worship God as he is with us by spirit. But this is just the beginning of the future. Because this should remind us that there is a day coming where death will be defeated and we will be with him for all eternity. Revelation chapter 21 and 22 says this. John writes and he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old earth has passed away. I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem coming from God. God is among his people. They shall be his people. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No more ashes. No more death. No more crying or grief, no more pain, no more curse. And they shall see his face. See, this dirty, unclean leper, he longed to see the face of Jesus. Jesus sorts that out, and now one day he will see the face of God. This is why, how do we describe the compassion of God? And, and Jesus in Mark's gospel says he is moved with compassion because Jesus didn't just see the disease, he saw something else. He saw this man's past, the pain of his past, and he dealt with it. His past was now dealt with. He is no longer a leper condemned. Your past when you come to Jesus to seek the compassion of God, your past has been dealt with by his work on the cross. You are no longer a sinner condemned for all eternity. Your past has been dealt with. This leper, no longer, he doesn't have to say, I'm a leper anymore. Can you imagine that? 
He doesn't have to shout out, I'm unclean, unclean. His present is now blessed. He can go back to his family. He can go back to his home. He can go and worship God. His present is blessed. And his future, because of the work of Jesus, his future is secure. That, my dear friends, is the best way I can think of to describe the compassion of God. That your past has been dealt with. Your present is blessed. And your future, according to the book of Revelation, is secure.